checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. Jeremiah 23, verses 23 to 24. Who's on the Bible reading plan? Who's up to date? You know you just read this then. All right? We just had this last week. In fact, we had last week what Pastor Ramon preached about, which it was like, bam, that was a super Holy Ghost verse. That's reminding me of our parenting conference that's coming up in September. That when he said, you've been disobedient because you've been practicing disobedience since you were youth. I'm like, my gosh, I was ready to preach that message right then. I was like, that went off in me. I'm like, that's the problem. Man, if parents can just get that, don't teach their kids to be disobedient. You say, I don't teach my child to be disobedient. You do when you don't hold them accountable. When there's no consequences for their action. Because there are always consequences for our actions in the Lord. We can eliminate certain consequences by repenting. Say amen anyway. All right. (laughs) Okay, I'll push you to excitement today. Amen. Jeremiah 23, 23 and 24 says this. Am I a God who is near, declares the Lord? And not a God far off. Now he's saying this in the old covenant. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens, plural, and the earth, declares the Lord? And this is in the old covenant. In the new covenant, where's the Holy Spirit of God at? Right on the inside of you. Not only is he on the inside of you, he came upon the earth. He's moving and flowing through the earth right now. Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go so that he may come. He only came down on prophets, priests, and king. But now that Jesus has died on the cross and rose from the dead, he's poured out his blood on the mercy seat of God in heaven. And when we call on the name of the Lord to be saved, we become a new creature in Christ. The old passes away. Behold, all things become new. Then the third person of the Godhead who is in the earth moving around is now taking up residence on the inside of us. Then he'll come upon us with power, will speak in the language of the kingdom, give us power to function through the gifts and do supernatural things and be a powerful witness for God. Now, how far is God now? Just look in. All you gotta do is look in. And there he is. But in the old covenant, he is saying, he said, am I God who is near or, and I'm not a God who is far off yet to them because they were lost without God. The regular citizen in the covenant of God's nation did not have the spirit of God in him, nor did he come upon him. But yet God had an expression of himself through his prophet, priest and king in such a way that he still considered himself near. And how much more near is he now in our covenant? in this new and better covenant. There is an equivalent verse to Jeremiah found in Hebrews. In the new covenant, it says it this way. In Hebrews chapter four, verse 13, he says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and lay bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Do you see that? I said, do you see that? Amen. I just got some little unction here. I need to move over in my own Bible app real quick. I want to look at this myself through some other translations that I did not put there and that I want to just kind of read them for you. The Amplified says it this way, and, I, and not a creature exists that is concealed from his sight. All things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Do you hear that? I said, do you hear that? Hallelujah. Uh, the New English translation says, and no creature is hidden from God, but everything is naked and exposed to, us, to the eyes of him with whom we must render an account. Right? The Passion says, there is not one person who can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed, but everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes to whom we must render and account. Now, when you hear that, these two verses, you're receiving these two verses one way or the other. The first way that people receive it, unfortunately they do, is that, oh, God's watching me. 
Now that sounds a little, oh, God's watching me. Like, he's watching me. I'm doing something wrong, he sees it. Right? But, you know, if you're not bent to do wrong, then that's not the way we should look at it. I look at it this way. Man, he's seeing me. He sees me. He knows what's going on. There's nothing I'm doing in Christ that he don't see, which means a reward is being rendered. I'm not operating in faith, and he doesn't see it. I'm not praying according to his word, and he's not hearing it. I mean, there's nothing hidden from him. It's not like I can be in faith with God, and he'd be like, oh, sorry, I missed that, Pastor Earl. We tend to only look at it from, oh, you blew it? I didn't miss that. But God equally sees it every time we're doing it right. And I choose to stay on the right side because I've been made right and I'll exercise that right. But in either case, God is watching. I said, he's always watching. He's always watching. So in order to get some context about this, because again, I want to encourage you today, based upon everything we've heard this past week and things we'll continue to hear moving forward, is that you need to know that your daddy is always watching. And that is good news to the believer who is passionately wanting to serve him. But you know what else to do? It's also good news to help keep you from from the temptation that will show up in your life. Because if you knew that God was watching, if you know he's listening, then there's certain things you wouldn't be moving towards or you would say, man, I'm resisting that because God's in the room. (laughs) Right? God's in the room. Wouldn't be doing this if God was sitting on the sofa right now. Are you hearing me? Amen. (laughs) So I don't be watched that much. Yeah, you do. Because he rewards. He's a rewarder. I said he's a rewarder. Praise the Lord. So in order to get some context here, we're going to go back to Hebrews chapter two, and we're going to read a little bit because this is what I love about God always watching me. It puts me at rest. I said it puts me at rest. All right. In Hebrews chapter two, we'll start in verse one. It says this, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have. What? Now, what do we know by hearing? Faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God, faith comes by hearing, period. So whatever you're hearing, you're going to develop a belief system. You need to make sure your hearing is connected to the word of God. If there's 168 hours in a week and you sleep eight hours a day, that's 56 hours that you're sleeping. You minus that from 168 and we're down to 112 hours that you are conscious. What are you hearing? Because if you're listening to the news channel more, social media more, secular music more, I mean, every word, all words are communicating. All words are communicating and developing a belief system. All of it is. So you have to say, okay, I need to make sure I'm maximizing some hearing time when it comes to the Lord. Whether it's through personal meditation, whether it's through your own Bible reading, whether it's hearing someone who actually rightly divides the word of truth. Because sometimes it's better to listen to a secular song than to listen to some ministers. All right. Because I can easily identify with some secular stuff, but that's just fleshly. Amen. Some ministers that get messed your doctrine up. All right. So again, he says, we should pay closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. Say, I can drift. Every one of us can drift. None of us are uh, excluded from drift. You've heard me say this before when I uh, used to take my children to the beach uh, when we were younger because it was uh, very inexpensive to go to the beach. And so I would be out there with my children my, while my wife was working on her uh, tan lines. We would be uh, out in the water. Me and my kids, we'd be play, play fighting. I had two boys, so we play fight a lot. Uh, my daughter, you know, she would, you know, hang around a little bit with that, but not too much. And we would end up doing something different. A lot of times we would sit and she would act like she's cutting my hair, you know, so she would dunk my head and then she'd have pretend scissors and cut my hair. So, you know, we would do things in the water, but every once in a while I would come out and I would let my older sons, you know, out there play or my daughter as well. And I would give them a boundary. 
because the current's always moving. And so they would be playing and not paying attention and the tide would cause them to drift. And they would have to look up and I would look up and say, hey, I'd go out there. So I said, didn't I tell you that every once in a while you need to stop and look at the shore because you're drifting? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Now let's go. Get back over here. Right. I'll give you freedom, but stay within the boundaries because if you get in a rip current, it's not good. I think it was Brianna and Brooke, her cousin one time got stuck in a rip current uh, out uh, um, to uh, A1A, Frank Butler. Frank Butler. If y'all, how many go to Frank Butler? There's a rip current at Frank Butler, just to let y'all know that. If you ever go to Frank Butler, there seems to be one always showing up there. So just be conscientious of that or con conscious of that. Okay, with that being said, we were there, they got on a raft and it started to pull them out. So I went swimming after them, all right? Because you can get out of one, you just have to, you know how to get out. So I went, you know, and so I was grabbing them, man, and we kept pushing, I kept going to the side, trying to get out of that rip current, kept going to the side. I mean, it was worse being on the, the, the having that float. I was almost like, let's abandon this thing and come on because being on the top, regardless, we got out. I was quite exhausted after the fact, um, but you know, that's why we set boundaries in order to save their lives. We as believers can drift, and we drift, it's because of what we're not being careful to hear, you know, like, well, I've been in church for a while, you know, so you go back to the 80s. Okay. I grew up in the 80s, man. There's some 80s songs out there, you know, and you can be tempted, you know, well, let me just go back and listen to some childhood songs. Next thing you know, you'll start drifting. Because you'll, you'll think you're above it now because you're a child of God and it don't affect you the same way. No words still will affect you. They'll still affect you. Now, I'm not saying you're going to hell because you listen to stuff and you, you partake. I'm saying you have to maintain, you have to pay attention to what you're hearing. And you've got to recognize, you know what? I've had too much intake of things that aren't building my spirit. Because how do you know you're drifting? Well, you'll start responding more fleshly quicker. You won't handle the situations. It is written. You'll start trying to handle the situations your way. You'll start doing it your way. So he warns us that we need to pay attention. Verse two says, for if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. So notice he said, now listen, in the realm of the angels, man, when they got out of what God's saying, he didn't change. He kept his word truth. And there are, th there are beings that were in a heavenly realm, in that eternal realm, that when they fell, they are never to be redeemed. Period. He says, now who are we to neglect such a great salvation that the Lord really preached to us? And when I say that, even though I may say it, it's not me that actually saves you at all. It's the words of God that we're saying that then the spirit of God makes it alive in you that then when you act on it, so it's really the Lord that's bringing salvation to your life. And when the Lord reveals to you your need for a savior, how would we neglect it? Why would we neglect it? And the only way neglect happens, because here's the thing, I agree. The, a person truly born again is not intentionally saying, I don't want to do God. Because if they're saying that, the minute they pray a prayer of salvation to get into the kingdom of God, then I would say, you're actually not saved. You are not saved. Period. And man, if you, you need to go listen to Pastor Mark when we put it out online, his teaching on what it means to be born again. Because a born-again believer is always associated with seeing and entering the kingdom. And if you're not seeing and entering the kingdom, then there's good cause to question your salvation. Are you hearing me? A behavior should follow. If there is not a change that takes place with you, you are not born again. You have a religion. You have a religion. Amen. 
So there should be a change. And he's telling us, do not neglect so good a salvation. And a believer can drift if they do not take heed what they're hearing and they begin to neglect it. All right. Verse four, God also testified with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Many of us have come into the kingdom and we have experienced these things. We've seen signs and wonders. We've seen various miracles. We've seen the gifts of the Spirit in operation and have been used even in the gifts. And how could we neglect that? Why would we drift from this? Well, it's because we're not taking heed what we hear. We're not taking heed what we hear. Jump down to verse 17. Verse 17, this chapter says, Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make perpetuation for the sins of his people. For since we, he himself was what? tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are he's there to come to the aid. So there's nothing that you're facing in your mind that God has not had it in his. So here's the thing. You can't go to Jesus and say, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm feeling. You can't do that. This is what's so awesome about our God that is seeing everything. When he sees you go through something, he's like, I know how you feel. Yeah, I experienced that myself. And I would submit to you, Jesus experienced it on a greater level. <laughs> on a greater level. Why? Because you're one person experiencing it. Jesus experienced it for all of mankind. I said of all, for all of mankind. So he has been tempted Yet, he's able now to come to the aid of those who are tempted as well. Yeah, Hallelujah. So again, the Lord recognizes that if you don't give heed to what you're hearing, then you're going to run the risk of drifting. And then you can neglect that which you have received and you know that you have it because there's been many attesting signs to it. Right? And God himself, when he's paying attention to us, when he's watching over us, when he's looking at us because he wants his word to be performed in our lives, he is merciful at that time, but he's also faithful. Which means that most of the time he's not coming to you and saying, Rick, you're a jerk, man. I don't understand why you did that. That would not come out of Jesus. Jesus would be like, Rick, I understand how you feel. I know exactly how that makes you feel. I get it. I get it. But there's a better way. Now, let me give you my word. Right? That's how he comes to us in these moments. Why? Because he really just wants us to enter into a place called rest. Now, with that being said, flip to the next chapter in Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Jesus then begins to warn because if you, if you neglect or the, the writer of Hebrews, if we're neglecting what we hear, you know, we're not taking heed to what we hear and we begin to drift that then puts us in a place where we are starting to neglect. And notice the Lord says, do you think you're going to be at escape if you neglect this salvation? Which already tells me don't have a thought process once saved, always saved. Or let's at least don't do this. Let's don't think I can do anything and there's no consequence now that I'm born again. At minimum, you have to believe that. At minimum. That if you neglect so great, don't think you're going to escape. Escape what? Escape the ramifications of what that looks like. And it's not because God wants you there. That's why the second chapter concludes with, I know how you feel. I know what you're going through. I've had the same issue. Whatever the issue, guys, whatever it is, I've had the same issue. But I know this, my father's faithful. His word always works. Just stay with me. Just stay with me. 
So then Hebrews 3, 7 says this, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, say hear his voice, say hear his voice. You got to not only hear his voice, but do his voice, be a doer of his voice. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me as in the day of trial in the wilderness. So when you hear his voice, what should you not do? What should you not do? Who's in control of hardening the heart? Now, this should give you a little insight to the book of Exodus. Because again, when you read the book of Exodus and it's in the English, people take a wrong interpretation because it says that God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Well, God didn't harden the heart of Pharaoh. Pharaoh chose not to hear. Moses came and said, God said, let my people go. That's, that's the voice of God. In fact, God said, you will be God to Pharaoh and Aaron will be your prophet. So the minute I say this, but he says, I know that he's not going to listen. He said that the Lord tells Moses, I know he's not going to listen. So in turn, then when the writer says God hardened his heart, it's because he resisted what he heard from God. This is why it's so important for you always to be sensitive to what God is saying and not harden your heart. It's you that says, I'm not doing it. As Kiki uh, testified today, the Lord says, there's something I want to do in you, but I need you to do first. Oh man, what a powerful testimony. That he talks to her and no, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I know how you feel. I know how you feel. I've been wronged. <laughs> I have been wronged. Right? They sold me, girl. I've been wronged. <laughs> they have lied about me. They have cheated about me. They beat me up. I mean, they killed me. I mean, I've been wronged. I know exactly how you feel right now. But for me to do some things I want to do in you, I need you to go forgive this person. <sighs> and I'm glad she heard and didn't harden her heart. Now, she was honest. She said, it took me, a couple, took me about a day. You know, had to, okay, okay. And again, you're working through emotions. You're working through the whole scenario. You're working through the response. You're doing all that. But the Lord was with her the whole time and strengthened her because she kept staying sensitive to want to do what she heard and God brought it to pass. Now, again, we didn't get the rest of the story on whether this person received it or not, but she's free. And now God, she has given her God permission to clean up anything on the inside of her that's been hurting. He'll be able to mend that, strengthen that, treat it in a way that it's like she never experienced it in her life. Wow. Because she didn't harden her heart. Yet, you know people like I know people that the minute they heard it, they hardened. They resisted. Amen. Hallelujah. They resisted. Now, Bishop Garraway said this when he was here. He said, you can fake a praise, but you can't fake an offering. But you know, he's only saying that you can only fake a praise to people. You can actually fake an offering because Ananias and Sapphira did. But in both cases, the praise and the offering is known by the Lord. God knows whether you actually have a praise or whether you're putting on a show because you're covering up stuff that he's told you to do and you've hardened your heart. And your singing now won't change that. Your dancing won't change that. Say amen anyway. All right. So he says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as, as when they provoke me as in the day of trials where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They'll not enter my what? My rest. Verse 12, take care. Take heed. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. 
Well, how could someone, and he says, take care, brethren. He's not saying take care, sinner. He's talking to people who are born because of the born again, because of the blood. He said, take care, brethren, that not, not that there not be in, in any one of you an evil. How can you have an evil heart if you're born again? Well, if you have an unbeliever, if you start to harden yourself from hearing what God says and acting on that, because an unbelieving heart will fall away from the living God. In essence, it will become a traitor. Verse 13, but encourage one another. How? How often? How often? This is why I struggle with those who have a hard time just attending church twice a week. Because we really are to have a day after day encouragement concerning the things of God. Because there's so many voices out there. And those voices are getting through your ears and they're making an impression on your heart. So if you're, if you're not taking captive thoughts, and again, you can't even take captive a thought unless you're hearing God. Because it's only God's word that can take captive a thought. We are to take captive every imagination that sets itself up against the word of God. If you don't know the word of God, you don't know that that thought sets itself against it. So you have no capacity to actually guard your heart by arresting thoughts in your mind without first having heard the word. But we are to encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be what? Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast. If, that's a conditional statement. It doesn't happen because you're a partaker of Christ. Okay. Hallelujah. Anchor Faith Church will never preach the absence of responsibility among the children of God. Because the Bible doesn't teach that. Jesus Christ did not come and save you from being responsible. The salvation you received from Jesus Christ did not allow you to be irresponsible. It, allowed, it, it made you responsible. Irresponsibility will send you straight to hell. He gave you capacity to be responsible in your decision making now. Because before you were just stuck of, uh, of the devil and had to make choices that way. But now that you're born again, you have the responsibility to hold fast these things you've here. If we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So what we hear God saying, no matter what's going on in our lives, as long as we hold fast, hallelujah. Say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. Say amen one more time. Amen. Say amen louder. Amen. Just stand up right now. Everybody stand up. Just stand up. Hallelujah. Let's stand up while I read Hebrews chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. It says, take and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who were what? What were they? What were they? They were disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Unbelief will cause you to not enter into a kingdom rest. And even though you're born again, born of God, you will wrestle your whole life. You will still actually be living by your own works instead of resting in the works you labor with Christ. Now you're going to work, period. That is not an ugly word. Because before sin even came into the planet, Adam had to work. So religion has taught you to not do any work and to be lazy. But the kingdom teaches you responsibility with working with Christ and you'll have victory and actually walk in rest. It's the greatest life ever. But again, God is saying you'll never rest in this life if you're going to continue to have unbelief. And unbelief is a result of a hardened heart. A hardened heart is a result of a believer hearing God's word, illuminated to him by the spirit and saying, I'm not doing it. Yeah. 
I'm not doing it. So every time you're in church, you're either building a wall against God or you're pulling walls down so that you can freely move with God. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we are to make sure that we stay connected with the word with a cheerful heart, ready and eager to receive God's word. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, you did really good by standing up. I mean, I didn't actually have to come up and pick you up. And you understand hearing God is that simple. Because when you think about hearing, you think about doing what I heard. You heard me say stand up and you acted on it. You know what you did? You didn't doubt that your feet would do it. In fact, some of you probably had to go through your mind, why is he telling us to stand up? But you did it anyway. Because you didn't want to be in the only one in the room that was still seated. Say hallelujah. And if you would have stayed seated, you'd have been the one with a hard heart. You'd have been the known rebellious one. Even though you think you're more relaxed. Oh, I'm preaching now. Oh, I'm seated. No, you're not seated. <laughs> You've been, you're getting kicked off the throne right now. <laughs> Are you hearing me? No, staying seated in Christ is doing what he says with a willing heart, eager. Now all we got to do is the next time I say it, see who can get up the fastest. Because that's really how you're, yeah, yes, Lord. I mean, that's the kind of sensitivity you want. Yes, oh, got it, done. Yeah, oh, man, yeah. Now, when I say that, it's not because we're trying to be competitive with one another. It's just that we realize all that God's done for us. And when the minute dad says, hey, son, yeah, dad. That's how our hearts are eager. Our spirit man is that alive. It's like, yeah, dad, what? Because whatever you say is life and it's awesome. Amen. Instead of be there in a minute. I'm busy. I'm busy. <laughs> oh, just say amen. amen. So turn on over, because again, this is a continuation. When we hit in Hebrews 2, 3, and 4, he's kind of keeping a, a main theme. So he says that, you know, they were not able to enter in because of unbelief. So if we flew, flow on into chapter 4, Hebrews 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may see, seeing to have come short of it. Do you know there's a lot of believers that will die, leave their bodies, be present with the Lord, and realize how short they were. I'm not talking in statue. I'm talking in not exercising all the promises of God. They're like, man, I could have had that on earth. Wow. I could have done that on earth. That was for me on earth. I could have accomplished that on earth. Wow. It's amazing. So we've got to make sure that we're like, man, my heart, I don't want to leave nothing on the planet that I was destined to do because I hard myself from doing it. And I've seen it. And I'll just tell you, the, the longer we live with God, the more at risk we are to quit God. Now, I don't mean quit loving him in the context that we're going to quit being a believer and we're just going to live like we're in the world again. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about resting on our accomplishments, which is a false reality. Like, oh, I've done enough. I'm going to retire. Let the next generation do it. No, I've got stuff to do till I'm gone. Now, I want the next generation to come along and do some things, but you're just going to come with me. We're going to, I'm going to be the Caleb type. You know, I'm going to help you conquer yours while I, and then I'll go get mine at the end because at the end of the day, I've been here longer than you. I've conquered more things. I've held myself together longer than you have. And then I'll help you get yours while I still get mine long before I leave. And then when everybody else is gone, I'll be the last man standing. And that's what Caleb was. Because when Joshua left, Caleb was still around. Are you hearing me? Because Caleb's like, I'm not done until I'm done. So again, I'm not like handing this off to another generation. I'm handing you your stuff, but I'm still doing mine. Because as long as there's breath in my lungs, I got work to do. 
I got a God to serve, a Jesus and a king to hear and listen to and respond to? That's what I've got to do. And I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to retire and go find a private island with my wife and wait for him to catch me up one day. What I'm going to do is be purposeful. So you want to run? Get in line. Let's go. Let's do this thing. Because there's so much to do still. Hallelujah. Man, and they're training churches. Where's your successor? Who you, what do you mean successor? I mean, there is no succession plan. I'm here till the Lord says, you're not the guy. And then when he says that, then I give it to the guy or woman that it is. Until then, I'm going to be young, strong. When I say young, compared to eternity at 120, I'm still going to be looking good. Amen. Because my confession says I get better with age. You know Pastor Marcy does too. She's got a birthday coming up. I will not tell you how young she is. You don't do that. But we are the same age, so if you know mine, you're good. <laughs> she gets better with age. I tell her, I said, baby, you get better with age. Why? Because we do. We do. Now, my skin on my face may not be as tight as it was when I came out as a baby. I get it, but that's all right. Amen. That's not the qualification for being amazing. The qualification for being amazing is how is your spirit, man? How much is it shining through? How much glory is it showing? Because you'll make a person on a magazine look like a tramp when you get around a godly person. All right, I'll just say it anyway. Therefore, let us fear if while promises remain of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have good news preached to us just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Do you understand? You can be in this room and still miss what's being said if you don't receive it by faith. Now, by faith is not a religious word. It's not a cliche statement. Faith is a firm persuasion, which means I believe that I believe. Well, you know what firm persuasion is? Is you sitting in the chair. I saw nobody today, no one come in and say, hmm. 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 I don't know, man. Can you hold my stuff for a second? I'm not putting on my weight. I'm not sure. Yeah, wow. That's nice. It held me. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord to help me. No, none of you did that. No, you just went like this. Right. I mean, you jump in it. Some of y'all jump in it. And you fall into the thing. Right? This is why I'm kind of glad we have these because if we had them already down, you'd just be like, fall down in it. Now, some of those on those chairs there, y'all better be careful. Are you hearing? But you don't even look at it. You just jump in it. We do this with so many things. This is what faith is. Firm I'm firmly persuaded that how it was made, it will perform. God's word will be performed as he says. And I'm firmly persuaded of that, period. And I don't doubt that one bit. I don't allow doubt to come so that I don't harden my heart. And even though what he says may go against everything that I'm sensing and feeling right now, I'm just gonna believe him at his word. Because the minute we hear, you can do, and you're like, man, I can't believe that. Guess what? You heard a word, you're not mixing with faith, which means it will not come to pass in your life. And guess what you can't do? You can't rest. So when Pastor Roddy, and I'm going to repeat what he says, and my gosh, I'll supply all your needs. Now, if you can't see all as all, yours as yours, needs as whatever that is, met then you're going to question when you need something and it's not there yet. But to the hearer who's like, God said this, so it's going to happen. Now, there may be a follow-up question. 
How's that happen, Lord? What do, is there anything else I need to do for my needs to be met like you said? Because right. he may say, well, do this, and then it comes in. Do that, and it comes in. Because it's all about obeying. Why? It's about a relationship with the Lord. We talk about relationship with the Lord, but most of believers who say they have a relationship with the Lord is to a Lord that doesn't talk. And the only one talking in the relationship is them. There's no two-way communication. How do we know this? They don't read their Bible. When they pray, they're only asking for their stuff. Anybody ever said, Lord, what do you want? You know why we don't do that? Because, well, you're God. You have everything. What could you want? Well, he wants your praise. I know he wants that. He said he actually seeks those to praise him. Worshippers that will that will worship him in spirit and truth. Now, a worshiper is not a singer. It's those who bow down and do bow down their will to his will. So sometimes he'll say, well, just sing to me. Just go ahead and worship a little bit. Go ahead and sing a little bit. And that praise could bring in your provision. But we're so concerned about our provision that we don't have time to praise. He could say, well, just go ahead and pay for so-and-sos. I have my own stuff. I didn't ask that. Oh, I'm, I'm, man, please do not have kingdom rise hangover. Right? You got to unite everything you hear with faith and then act on it. Because if you don't, they, he had already told them, I'm giving you the promised land. It's yours. I've given it to you. Not I'm giving, I've given it. It's yours. Now go get it. Go get what's yours. I said, go get what's yours. If I took your car keys right now and then you need to leave, you're going to come get what's yours. No, I'm keeping it. You'd be like, Pastor Earl, you better give me my keys. Now, some of you say you got a fight on your hand, right? I'll be like, try. No, y'all weren't intimidated. I didn't think so. <laughs> you're a little guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're right. Okay. But my point is, is that there's a fight, whether you physically fight me for them or whether you, uh, through legal means, fight me for it, you're going to get yours. Well, guess what? That's what we call the fight of faith. The enemy's going to say, you can't have it. It's not your, no, you can't have it. No, it's mine. No, it is mine. And I'll get it. I'll fight you for it. I'll fight you for it. The good thing is, in the, in the realm of physical, I don't have to physically beat anybody up. All I have to do is, because my power is laid up with principalities and powers, I deal with that realm, and then it comes to pass. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to get what's mine. Because God gave it to me already. And they didn't enter into the, I mean, they, 12 spies entered in, but came out 10 crying. Because they hardened their heart from what God said, even though they had the sight evidence that the land was exactly as God said. Now, he can tell you exactly what's in the land and how it is prosperous and blessed and land flowing with milk and honey. But, you know, as far as you get it, he was kidding. I mean, why do you think God did that? Because he knew he wasn't in them. And he's like, just so you know that I'm right, this is what the land's going to look like. So when I prove that out, it should be easy for you to understand, we're going to whip this deal. And Joshua and Caleb saw it that way. I said, Joshua and Caleb saw it that way. And they did not let 40 years of hearing wine bags affect their hearing. They kept heed. You know what they kept hearing? When the Lord says, I'll put you boys in there, but the rest of them, it's going to be 40 years. Before we get there. And every, you know, when they were watching them drop, they said, but the Lord said, we're going in. We're going in. We're going in. The Lord said, we're going in. They kept hearing that. We're going in. We're going in. We'll get it. We're going in. Then the day came. Moses is gone. Wow. Moses is even gone. He's not even here. Okay, Joshua, you're the guy. What do we do? The Lord said, we going over. We going somewhere we've never been before. Kate was like, whoo, I've been there once, but man, this is a different season. Now, here we go. Caleb said, I'll leave this whole group. And he's double their age. He's 80 and says, let's get some. <laughs> Come on now. He didn't pull his dentures out and say, that's it. We're done. He didn't sit on the other side and go, y'all get that boys. It's, I wish we, if we only could have done that 40 years ago. 
You know how many saints have already stopped? Boy, if it had just been. What do you mean if it had just been? It's now. Because faith is now. Now's the time to act. Now's the time to move. Now's the time to do. All right, let's close it up with this. He says, for who... For we who have believed entered the rest just as he said, as, my, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundations of the world. Wow. Now he's like, I mean, you're just finally coming into what? Now, a good thing is that the writer says, for we who have believed enter that rest. Now, this writer is not talking about the promised land. He's talking about, I'm living a rest life in the kingdom now. You want to retire? Start doing the word. And you'll quit working on your own immediately. You'll still work, but you'll work with the Lord. And it'd be the best work ever. It won't be free from conflict. It won't be free from trial and tribulation. But you'll know whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm putting my hand to, it's going to prosper. It's going to turn out to my benefit, period. It's going to do it. And you'll have the greatest time ever. And you don't need a title from man to feel like something. Because God gave you, conferred you on a, a title in Christ. There is no title higher than in Christ, and there is no rank higher than ambassador of the kingdom. So he gives that to the babes. And we are fighting and struggling and trying to figure out what we need to do in the world and what people can address us by what title by some educational qualification. And the Lord's like, when you got my kingdom, I kinged you. <laughs> I put you in Christ and then I gave you ambassadorship. I, I mean, I don't know what else. I mean, that's retirement. All your needs are going to be met. I'm going to take care of everything you do. You just do what I say. It's done. And any conflict, we're going to win. Just don't let go. Just believe what I say. We're going to win. We got this. I said, we got this. So Hebrews, jump down to verse 10, because we're bringing it all around now, says this, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works, as God did from his. Now, when we say rested from his works, that doesn't mean you do nothing. When he says this, he's literally just saying, instead of you trying to do it to please God, you're doing what God wants you to do, and it pleases God. Because hearing God is how faith is accessed for you, your faith, your belief system. Then you're a doer of that. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. So you become instantly pleasing because you're doing the word he told you to do. And the work of that word comes to pass because you labor with Christ, meaning you do your part to hold on, to believe, to just stay firm in that. I'm resting. And I will rest. Right? We sing that. And your promise is my confidence is your faithfulness. Right? Well, he's faithful to his word. So all you got to do is believe the word. And you can just sit back and get in a rocking chair and say it's going to come to pass. It's going to come. But that's a work. You still have to work your confession. You have to say it. You have to take every thought captive that would say something else. Because all that is trying to do is get you out of rest. Trying to get you to figure it out, get you to do it. Man, how am I going to pay that bill? How am I going to pay that bill? Well, you better get a second job. Well, did the Lord tell you to get a second job? Now, if I get that second job, I won't be able to go to church on Sunday. I don't know if that's the Lord. Amen. I mean, we just heard it testified by Saji. He's like, man, I've been working every Sunday. And I was like, I'm done. On the inside, it's like, man, this is too important for me to be in service. He says, you know what? All I did was ask. He said, I didn't have it because I didn't. And isn't that a scripture? James says, you have not cause you. But so many people are afraid to ask because they see their job as their source. It's their works, keeping the food on the table and the mortgage being paid instead of his finished work of you walking into his word. Verse 11, therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. So he's telling us, listen, what you saw in the wilderness is applicable to the new covenant. 
They couldn't get in and enter their rest and receive all the blessings and benefits that God already had for them before the foundation of the world. You can have the same issue here. If you do not enter into rest by believing God at his word, taking heed to what you hear and be a doer of it. Listen, I don't care what kind of services we have. I don't care if we have a shouting service, if we have a laughing service, if we have the Holy Ghost comes in and everybody hits the ground service. I don't care if we have a song service that the roof rips off and we actually see angels in manifestation. I don't care if Jesus Christ himself walks through this wall and visits a service. It will always come back to you being a doer of the word, period. It had never changed from there. The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in his eternal kingdom that will never have an end, that when heavens and earth change and we get new heavens and new earth, they will be people who are obedient yes. to his word and love to do his word. That's what it's going to be. That will never not happen. So the quicker we are willing to say yes, Lord, to his word, because all of his promises are yes and amen. amen in Christ. And we're like, man, yes, Lord, I want to do your word. Yes, Lord, this is where success is. He told Joshua, he said, listen, you want to be prosperous and successful. What do you do? You meditate on my word. You know how many believers are trying to only be successful by doing their own works to get successful? And they're really trading their soul. They're forfeiting really great treasures. Because we act like what we do only lasts in this lifetime. Now, I'm not against your 401k. I'm not against your 401b. Uh, uh, because there's things that do with ministry. I'm not against your investments in the stock market. None of that. I'm not against anything that you do in order to be able to have your money work for you. No problem. My question is, are you actually saving for eternity? Because the reality is we have dumbed down the message so much that we have accepted this whole Bible as ask Jesus into my heart and save me so when I die, I go to heaven. And that's all that matters because you take nothing with you. That is not true. You take your faith with you. And I'm not talking you. I'm talking everything you did in hearing his word. Not only do you receive a reward right now in the life you're living, you'll receive one in the age to come. And that age to come is actually a millennial reign, which means you want to know what you're doing in the millennial reign? You better be sowing for it. We would act like God is a socialist. When we get to heaven, we'll all be the same. No, you will not. That is not in the Bible. He didn't call himself a social state. It's a kingdom. And he rewards based upon your faith. How many times did Jesus do things to people, for people in the earth, and he says, daughter, according to your faith. I've not seen such great faith, no, not in all of Israel, because of their faith. It's according to your faith. Your, not his faith, their faith. And your faith will carry over into the millennial reign and into the, the, the kingdom that has no sin ever associated with it again, the divine order of God in its totality when all of sin is thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And you will reap rewards and continue to be promoted. We act like if you're faithful little, you'll be faithful for much, stops in the planet. Is his word, what did Peter say? He said, when, when everybody was leaving Jesus, and Jesus turned to his 12 and he says, are you going to go too? And he says, where are we going to go? You have words of life. He says, your words are eternal. He has eternal. And we act like these words are only for the planet during sin. Yeah, but we need to expand our thinking. It's because what we've done is we've actually said, we don't want to know about the end. We just don't want to go to hell. And that's not lordship. 
That's not kingdom. Kingdom is he's Lord. His kingdom's coming. We need to know how to function with the king because the king's coming. The king's coming again. And he's coming with his kingdom. And he's rewarded. He has his, it says he has his reward with him. And he's opening up books about you. And he's wanting to know, did you do everything I asked you to do? Because I'm going to reward you. Not only in this life, but in the one to come. Jesus said, listen, there ain't nobody who has left mother and father. In essence, there's nobody who has put that stuff secondary to me that won't receive in this life and the life to come. And he talked about material possessions. So there may not be a U-Haul with all my natural possessions going to the cemetery. But make no mistake about it. There are houses and lands that are awaiting me on the other side. And I'm not talking about in heaven. I'm talking about when I come back to the earth. You may be, this, could, this very well could still be my property when I show back up. But not just the, the whole city. <laughs> could be the whole state and the Caribbean. You might be looking at the governor of Florida. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm, you might be looking at the governor of Florida in the millennial reign. Pastor Earl, how's Florida doing? It's doing just fine, sir. We have one standard here. It's kingdom. <laughs> he said the U U.S. government won't be there anymore. It's not going to look like the same. I mean, it'll be around, but they'll be subject to the king. I said they'll be subject to the king. I said they'll be subject to the king. You want to know who the next great superpower is? It's the kingdom of God. Let's finish this out. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter the rest so that we will, uh, so no one will fail through following the same example of disobedience. Verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joint and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Oh, glory to God. There's not a place in your being that the word can't get. He can get to your physical man and get to your soul man and it definitely impact your spirit man. But here it is, verse 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold. Let who? Let who? Let who? It's up to you. This ain't a God problem. It's a you problem. Let us, let us hold fast our confession. The king said, I have no opinion in the matter. As an ambassador, my king said, 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 I believe what my king said. I only believe what Jesus said. He's the savior of the world. He died for me. He rose for me. He is the king of glory. And whatever the king says, I believe it. I say it. I'm holding fast to it. Why? And he sees me. He knows I'm holding. He knows I'm holding. He knows I'm in faith. He knows I'm not wavering. He sees me take captive every thought. He knows that I believe him and I must have what he said that I will have. He sees it. He sees it, but he equally sees it if I'm faking it. And I'm not a fake and you're not a fake. So know the rewards there. Just hold fast for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things. Here he goes, though. It goes further in this verse as we are yet without rebellion, without disobedience, without sin, which means when you're like, whoo, Lord, you want me to believe what? You want me to say what? You want me to do what? He says, I know how you feel. I was in the same circumstance as you, but I did it the word. It'll work for you. I actually didn't blow it. So let me just help you out because people are like, man, if you ain't going through what I'm going through, then you can't help me. Well, then you can't listen to Jesus because Jesus has never fornicated. He's never committed adultery. He's never been in a homosexual relationship. He's never, uh, he's never done drugs. He's never gotten drunk. He's never lied. He's never cheated. He's never stolen. He's never manipulated, backbited. He's never gossiped. He was tempted to do all of it, but resisted it. He is the most qualified because when you go hang out with your old drunk buddy who's now sober and you are sober and you thinking y'all know about stuff, Jesus is like, never got drunk a day in my life. But I'm more equipped to talk to you about not getting drunk than your buddy who used to get drunk. 
because they actually got drunk. And know this, if they don't take heed, if they don't give earnest attention, they'll drift away and find the bottle again. But I'll never look to the bottle. I'll never go back and smoke Leviticus. <laughs> you had to be in the conference for that. <laughs> Amen. Are you hearing me? Jesus is the most qualified. Verse 16, therefore, let us draw near with what? Confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Grace empowers us to overcome, to not submit, to not fail, to not fall. Grace is not picking us up when we fall. Mercy's picking us up when we fall. Mercy comes running when you're falling. Grace keeps you in something. And grace will keep you in it when you know, I'll only do what the king says. I'm going to get, I'm going to live the life of kingdom rest on the earth. I'm fixing to just rest the rest of my life because whatever God says, I'm doing it. I'm putting it to my, I'm getting it in my heart. I'm acting on it. I'm going to hold fast to it. And I know every thought that bombards me were the same thoughts that bombarded Jesus. But Jesus took captive those thoughts. And because I take heed to what I hear, I'll take captive to those thoughts and I'll have exactly what the word said I'll have, period, no way else. That's the only way. And I'm just going to sit back here and rest in it. And that's what God wants you to have. Amen. So no matter what we teach, no matter what we preach, you should see yourself in a restful position. Yes. I can do that. That way, when the storms of life come, when the storms of life come, I'll give you two last examples. Jesus says to his disciples, just go to the other side. It was enough in that word to go to the other side. He didn't have to say, a storm's coming, but don't worry about it, because I'm telling you we're going to go to the other side. He didn't say that. He just said, just go to the other side. And he's tired, because he's been ministering to people, and he's in a human suit like we are, and he's like, man, I need a nap. So he goes down the boat and he sleeps. But then all of a sudden, a storm hits, and the four professional fishermen that are on it is look at, are, are looking at this storm and they know it's so bad that men have lost their lives. And they can't get control. Why? Because they're working it themselves instead of working the word. Instead of saying, no, we're going to the other side. No, we're going to the other side. No, we're going to the other side. They didn't quit. They didn't say that. They didn't hold fast that. They're like, my gosh, man. Remember when such as this looks like the storm of, you know, whatever, you know, uh, this, the storm of, um, you know, uh, 20 AD. 20 AD. <laughs> Remember when I, people lost their lives on the storm and so many you know, of our fishermen community died and they were talking the conflict that eventually they went down to Jesus and said, Jesus, how can you be sleeping? Aren't you concerned we're all going to die? And Jesus gets up, rebukes the winds and waves and then rebukes his disciples. He said, why didn't you have any faith? You woke me up from my rest because you weren't in rest. I should have been out of sleep the whole trip. But instead, you woke me up because you don't believe me at my word. Paul had a similar experience, but he couldn't be authorized to talk to the winds because he was authorized to talk before the winds. Gentlemen, I perceive if we get on this boat, it's going to be a problem. So let's not get on this boat. And they're like looking at the natural and they're like, nah, we're going to get on the boat. This ain't where we're staying. We're going on. Peter can't say, Paul couldn't say, I'm not going. Paul couldn't say that. Paul was like, I'm a prisoner. I got to go. <laughs> so we're fixing that problem. I know what God said. So what's he doing? Storm comes just like he says. But he goes back to a word. He goes back to a word because the Lord told him before he ever was, it, was arrested by a prophet by the name of Agabus. He says, you're going to go to this local Jerusalem. You're going to have many things are going to... Uh, attack you, but you'll stand before Caesar. So he's praying while he's working with everyone else to lighten the ship in the middle of a storm that everybody's losing hope that now we're going to die. And he's like, Lord, I can't die here with everybody else because you said 
that I'd go to Rome. You said that I would speak to Caesar. You said that. So I cannot die here. And I warned them on the shore and I will not die on this ship. And I know that. But now, now that I, I know that and I'm reminding you and I'm convinced, now I'm going to go a little step further because the rest of these I warned and they ain't living like I am and I'm asking you for mercy for their lives. Lord, give me their lives. Give me, they're ignorant, Lord. They don't know like I know. And, and Lord, I want them saved, Lord. Please, will you allow them to be safe with me because I'm not going to die out here. And an angel shows up and says, Paul, the Lord's heard your prayer. And what you've asked him concerning, you're going to go to Caesar. And he's also granted your request. Nobody's going to die. But this is how it's got to be done. So then Paul, after he gets an answered prayer, stands up to the three men that he talked to on the shore. And he says, gentlemen, you should have followed my advice. <laughs> and a change of leadership took place. And they said, what do you say, Paul? He says, listen, we're going to lose the ship. But there's an island we're going to go to. And we're not going to die. So take courage. We're going to get there. And so they all start listening to Paul. We need to do this, do that. And then the centurion now is following Paul. And then all of a sudden, a couple guys like, I don't like Paul's way. We're going to die. We're going to take this little ship and we're going to leave. We're going to get away from this thing since it's going down. That's what they said. And Paul said to the centurion, unless these men stay with a ship, I can't guarantee their lives. And so they cut the boats away and they stayed. And he said, now y'all need to eat because we fixing to go get in the water and you're going to need your strength to swim to shore. And then they hit. And next thing you know, he has saved their lives. They can see the land and the soldiers that Paul's has prayed for to save them. Think to themselves, we're going to kill the prisoners now because if they escape, we will die and they were going to kill them. But the centurion said, don't, you're not killing nobody. We're all going to swim. If you can swim, swim. If you can't get aboard and, and float yourself there. And all 276 people lived that day because a man was resting and I'm going to Rome. And now that God says you're mine, if you'll do what I say, I guarantee you're going to get to the island. And they all did. Now, it wasn't free from conflict, but he was the man resting because he knows my God cannot fail. And that's how our lives should be. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. 